Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. All right, y'all. Excited to knock this out today, get into the content. Uh, Thank you so much for clicking on this broadcast. I pray that this word encourages you. I pray that this gives you revelation. And we're going to be talking about something that really isn't talked about a lot and a lot of people have no understanding or knowledge of. So if this is your first time, I want to say thank you so much. I pray that this helps you. Uh, I want to say welcome. My name is John Wallace. I'm the pastor of New Beginnings Church here in Huntington, Texas. This is our beautiful church behind me, our sanctuary I'm recording this in. So welcome. Thank you. If you guys will help me before I get into the content today, help me do two things. Number one, interact with this post. You can hit the like button. You can comment. Uh, When you interact, it helps share this to more people. And number two, you can actually hit the share button. Share this to a friend. Post this on your timeline. If you're watching this on a platform, of course, uh, where you can share it. If you're listening to this back on podcast, I'm so excited that you found my podcast. You can also share this podcast. This is going to be some interesting material that's not talked about often. So in this broadcast, I'm going to do part two of 16 reasons for excommunication. 16 reasons for Bible reasons, the the reasons the Bible gives for people being excommunicated from the church. That was something that was practiced in the scriptures. It's a serious thing. And so this is part two of 16 reasons for excommunication. This is very interesting. I pray that this helps you. If you didn't watch part one, or if you're listening on podcast, jump back and listen to part one. It will really help you understand some of the stuff we're going to dive right into. If you're watching on a social media platform or on YouTube, go back and watch the first part of 16 Reasons for Excommunication. Let's go ahead and get into this. Before I go into reason number 10, and I pick up where I left off last broadcast, I kind of want to just go over this foundation again quickly for you. Two reasons why what I'm talking about is important. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the whole chapter is Paul giving instructions to the church to remove this person that was basically living in sin, this young man that was living in sin with his mother-in-law from their congregation, from their fellowship. You know, Paul was rebuking them because he said, you guys pride yourself. You act like you're so spiritually mature. You have these gifts, right? This is the church that he was writing to in 1 Corinthians 14, where they spoke in tongues. They prophesied. Uh, you know, he, he, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the spiritual gifts. This was a church that had a lot of spiritual gifts active in the church. They, they, they prided themselves on this. But he brought them a rebuke here and said, you know, you carry yourself so proudly, but really you should be mourning because you have a person that's in your fellowship that is living in sin with their own mother-in-law. You should remove this person. And then he goes on to say in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 5, I encourage you to go back and read this chapter. He goes on to say that, that sin in the church is like a little bit of yeast that permeates the entire batch of dough. 
that if you just let a little bit of yeast in, it will spread and it will overtake the entire batch and it will, it will uh, affect the entire batch. And he says that's what sin will do in your church. That if these things aren't addressed and dealt with in the church, that literally it will affect the entire church and it will render the church ineffective. So you must remove sin from among you, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We talked about that in depth in the last broadcast, so go back and watch that. So number one, why is this important? Because if we don't learn these principles in the scripture and we allow sin into the church, of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will render the church ineffective on the earth. Number two, why is this important? Because we don't want people to be deceived. Let me read you the scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Paul says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. That's strong language. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on to be very specific. He says, those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, who commit adultery, who are male prostitutes, who practice homosexuality, who are thieves, who are greedy people, who are drunkards, who are abusive, who cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Why is this message important? Jesus said it best. He said, if the light that you think that you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. We have this church culture where the sin is just accepted. Everybody just kind of has their own. We just completely disregard the word of God. I have your sin, my sin, and you don't judge me, you know, to each his own. No, I don't want people, because they were a part of a church that just never addressed the issues and never helped them grow and spiritually mature and never hit these things head on, think that they're saved, right? Not, there's a difference between a sinner who knows there's a, they're a sinner and knows that they're not saved and somebody who thinks that they're saved but is not really saved is still a sinner. They live their whole life thinking that they're okay, that they're right, and then they stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. That's why I want to address these things head on. Two reasons why this is important. So let's go ahead and dive right into this. I'm going to start with number 10 of the 16 reasons for excommunication. This is part two. The 10th reason, biblical reason to be cut off from fellowship in the New Testament church. Number 10 is for unbelief or spiritual infidelity. Unbelief and spiritual infidelity would have got you excommunicated from the church in the New Testament scriptures. I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians 6, 14. I'm going to read it to you in the New King James. Paul says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? What, what communion has light and, and with darkness? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And so, you know, if, if you look at this, this is talking about infidelity, as well as another word used here. Infidelity means unfaithful to a spouse. Well, this is being unfaithful to your union with God. So Paul's talking about you cannot, I just want to break it down for you very simply, you cannot have fellowship, he says, with an unbeliever or a, a spiritual infidel. If you look at other translations and you look at the Greek word used there, a spiritual infidel. An infidel is somebody who cheats on their spouse. And so he was saying that somebody who claims the name of Jesus 
right? If they're not an unbeliever, maybe they claim the name of Jesus, but they are cheating on Jesus. They don't worship Jesus. They don't live in a covenant with Jesus. They totally step outside of their covenant and cheat on God like an adulterer uh, with the world, with the spirit of this world. Paul says that you cannot be yoked together. What fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness? And I want to make this very clear. Many people put this in the parameter of simply marriage, and it is. You know, this is very important. The Bible says that when you are looking for a spouse and you're a believer, you cannot marry an unbeliever. You cannot yoke yourself together with an unbeliever. So for you, that those of you that don't know what yoked means, when it's talking about yoke, it's in this context of imagine two ox that, that are plowing a field. A guy wants to plow a field uh, back in the day when they didn't have equipment, obviously. They want to get this, this field plowed up and ready to plant. And so they have this big plow that they're going to pull. They're going to put two ox together. What they meant by yoke is they would tie this rope around them and then tie it to the plow so that the two ox would be tied together to pull the plow. Well, the Bible says that you cannot be yoked together. That means you can't be joined together. You can't be tied together uh, in life with somebody who is not a believer or who is a spiritual infidel. What would end up happening if you tied two oxes that weren't equally yoked? What I mean by equally yoked is if you had one ox on the right who was big, who was strong, and you had a half, you know, retarded ox on the left that was very weak and and then all of a sudden one ox is trying to go this way and the other ox is going to go this way your plow is not going to go straight you're either going to rear off to the right to the left or you're just going to spin your wheels going in circles this is what will happen if you try to join uh, your life together with people that are unbelievers on uh, they're not spiritually yoked together with you they don't view life the same way you do they're not pursuing after the same things or be somebody who claims to be a believer but yet is what the bible calls a spiritual infidel a spiritual infidel they don't walk it out they don't have a, a relationship with jesus they live and talk and act just like the rest of the world you can't yoke yourself together with those people so that would, that would cause you to be separated in the New Testament scriptures. That would cause you to be separated from the community of believers. Let's look at number 11. Number 11 for the 16 reasons for excommunication. Backsliding. So this is 2 Corinthians 13, 1 through 2. Paul said, this is the, this is the NLT I'm going to read it to you in. 1 through 2. This is the third time I'm coming to visit you. And as the scriptures say, may the facts of every case be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Look at this, verse 2. I have already warned you, those, I'm sorry, I have already warned those who have been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now I warn them, uh, now I warn them and all others just as I did before. The next time I will not spare them. So Paul was Paul was following the biblical model. When he came to visit the Corinthian church on a second visit, he says that he encountered people that were a part of the fellowship that were backslidden. They weren't following the truth. They weren't, they weren't living in a, a relationship. They had sin in their lives. They weren't living in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to kind of talk about false doctrine and, and some other things in a moment. We'll get into a little bit more. But Paul said, I warned them. 
And I told them, if you do not get rid of this sin, when I come back, I'm not going to spare you. I'm not going to spare you. You're going to be removed. I'm going to use the authority that has been given to me by Christ to remove you from this fellowship, to remove you from the body of Christ. You know, so being backslidden in the New Testament church, what do I mean by backslidden? Somebody that just, at once they maybe were on fire, they were living for God, but now they've just reverted back into their old ways, into their old sins, into their old spiritual immaturity. Paul brought correction and said, look, if you have not repented and I don't see the fruit of that repentance by the next time that I come, I am not going to spare you. Look down, skip down to 2 Corinthians 13.10. He said, I'm writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come, for I want to use my authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. And so, again, being a backslider in the scriptures would have got you excommunicated. It would have got you thrown out of the church. But that's very counterculture to the world and the church that we live in today. You know, people go to church for 30, 40 years. They never grow spiritually. They still continue to live in sin. They still continue to live very distant and apart from the fellowship of the believers. Y'all, this was not the way that the church functioned in the scriptures. You know, this is very similar to my, my first point in the last video. Somebody that refused to repent and make peace. Paul was saying the same thing. I'm warning you now. I addressed your sin. I confronted it head on. I showed you how this is wrong. And I'm the spiritual authority here. I've spoken to this issue. Now, if you don't, if you refuse to repent or to receive this correction, you will be removed. Y'all, this is how they did things in the New Testament church. So, just to reiterate this, living in a backslidden condition would have gotten you excommunicated. Let's look at number 12. The 12th reason. Out of the 16 reasons for excommunication. Number 12, living idle lives or living in disorderly conduct. I'm kind of going to explain this. Living an idle life or living a life that is in disorderly conduct. Uh, What does that mean? 2 Corinthians 3.6 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives. Don't follow the traditions. They don't follow the traditions that they receive from us. So that's why that's the NLT version. It says stay away. You guys, and I know we kind of live in this culture where people don't understand that there's wolves, that there's sheep, and there's wolves in sheep's clothing. Not everybody is sent into your life to help you. You need to understand that. Y'all, this is something I've been guilty of, just loving everybody, wanting to help everybody, wanting to see the best. That's great. But there's also wisdom. Paul said, this is strong language, stay away from all, quote, believers. Anybody who calls themselves a believer yet lives an idle life. What is an idle life? The New King James uses the word disorderly conduct that lives a life of disorderly conduct. And so what that means is disorderly conduct means they have deviated from the prescribed order or the doctrine that they've been taught. We're going to kind of get into this in the next several points. When you look, this is something that's reiterated again and again and again. False teaching 
and false doctrine and following false doctrine in the New Testament wasn't just something that was taken lightly. That was something that would have gotten you removed from the fellowship of the believers. And so he says living an idle life, it literally means deviating from the prescribed order, the doctrine that you've been taught. And so Paul was saying, if somebody claims to be a believer, but they get off on some weird stuff that's different than the message that you received when I came and I planted the church in Corinth and I apostled this church and I built you up. If they're saying something different and they've got into some weird stuff, he says, you need to stay away from them. That's what the Bible means when it says living an idle life or living in disorderly conduct. Let's look at number 13. These next several few are going to tie together. Number 13. Ooh, that's some bitter coffee. Praise God. Some wake up. Wake up juice. Number 13. Denying the truth. And this is going to tie very closely together with the point I just gave you. Denying the truth. This is 2 Thessalonians 3, 14 through 15. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Paul said, take note, right? They would get this letter. The leader of the church would read these letters to the entire congregation. Paul literally wrote in this letter, he said, look around and take note on who refuses to obey what we say. Stay away from them so that they will be ashamed. This is very interesting. They'll look at point number 15. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or a sister. Denying the truth. So what was Paul talking about? Denying the truth would have gotten you kicked out. He said, stay away from these people. Denying the truth is somebody with a rebellious spirit that did not submit to the word of God or spiritual authority. Take note. He says, take note of those who refuse to obey what we write in, these, in this letter. Well, the letters that he wrote are our Bible. Take note of those who, number one, have a spiritual, uh, I'm sorry, a rebellious spirit. They deny authority. They deny the word of God. And, and, and they deny the truth. Essentially, they're denying the scriptures. They, they look at the scriptures black and white of what's being told, what they're being instructed to do, and they just say, oh, you know what, we're going to do our own thing. They just take it very lightly. Paul says that you literally need to stay away from that person. Stay away. Having a rebellious spirit and denying the scriptures got you excommunicated from the New Testament church. But I really think verse 15 is interesting because he said, don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. And this is why it's so important for people to understand. None of this is being said out of a harsh spirit. None of this is being said out of an angry spirit. Uh, What Paul was saying is, look, there is a way to cut people off, but you still love them. You're not cutting them off because you judge them and you just, you hate them and you're going to gossip about them and laugh at them as they fail. You cut them off because they need to feel the weight of their sin. We're going to read some more examples, and I read some in the last broadcast. Paul talked about turning somebody over to Satan so that their flesh would be destroyed. When they were removed from that community, now their livelihood has changed. Their whole fellowship has changed. 
that they weren't just accepted, you know, by everybody anymore. They felt the weight that I have been pushed out, removed from this fellowship, from the community of believers. And Paul said that when you did that, they would feel ashamed. They would feel the weight. They would repent. Man, man, this is, it's not worth me having this rebellious spirit. Me being excommunicated and now me being outside of the blessing of God is not worth just blatantly refusing to submit to the Lord and and refusing to submit to the word of God. Amen. Let's look at number 14. I only got a couple more for you. Number 14, reasons for excommunication, denying the faith. So he says something very similar here as well. This is 1 Timothy 1, 19 through 20. I'm going to read it to you in the New King James Version. He says, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom Hyamanus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan. You see that? He said, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may not blaspheme God. So they had faith and a good conscience, which some had rejected. So he talks about these two individuals specifically, and he was saying he delivered them. They were cut off. They were sent out because they rejected the faith and they rejected their conscience, which is the Holy Spirit. So people, that's the thing, guys. Churches are just filled with all types of people. People that a long time ago have walked away from the faith. It's so clear by the fruit in their lives. Jesus said, you'll know a person by their fruit. Just like you know a tree by their fruit, you'll know a person by their actions. People that have rejected, rejected the faith by their life, by their actions, and rejected. You can see they're, they're just ice cold, living in sin. At some point, you can see in a person's life that they've walked away from the Holy Spirit. They don't follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Paul said that he had to turn people like this over to Satan. That's the reason, the 14th reason, denying the faith for excommunication. Let's look at number 15. False teaching. Can you say false teaching? Look at 1 Timothy 6, 3-5. Paul said, some people may contradict our teaching. But these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote godly life. Anyone who teaches something different. So Paul was saying, anybody who teaches you something different or is saying something different than what I taught you or what I have taught you or what I've written in these letters is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. He says to them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. So Paul says, basically don't have anything to do with these people that are teaching you something different from what I teach you. So here's the question. What did Paul teach? What was the teachings of Paul? How did Paul teach the gospel? What what were the things that he taught to the churches? Well, we have the word of God that tells us. But uh, the the Dake notes, the Dake Annotated Study Bible notes, that the the teaching that Paul was mentioning specifically was the incarnation of Christ, the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
So number one, Paul was saying that if anybody begins to pull you away, that Jesus, from the fact that Jesus came as a man in the flesh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became a man. That's significant. There's power in that. That Jesus, he went to the cross, the death, the cross of Jesus Christ, the process of the cross, the whip and post that he endured, the burial of Jesus Christ. Why is that important? That when Christ was buried, you were buried. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Christ rose again, you received new life. Now you've been seated. The ascension of Jesus Christ. He said, if anybody starts teaching you wacky stuff that pulls you away from these fundamental doctrines, they are not teaching you by the Spirit of God. They're, t- they're arrogant. They lack understanding. Amen. Teaching something different than what Paul taught here's another interesting fact about false teachers so being a false teacher or teaching false doctrine would have got you kicked out of the new testament church well this is something also very interesting that paul taught as doctrine as a part of the gospel that if you were to waver or teach against what paul taught as a fundamental part of the gospel you would have been excommunicated from the church i want to show you the scripture what was the gospel that paul taught Number one, I want you to write this down. Paul taught a gospel that includes signs, wonders, and miracles. Paul taught a gospel that includes signs, wonders, and miracles because he says this in Romans 15, 19. Paul said they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news or the gospel uh, of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Lyricum. That's Romans 15, 19. So Paul never taught the gospel apart from signs, wonders, and miracles. So he was teaching them, if anybody begins to try to teach you a gospel that is separated from signs, wonders, and miracles, and the power of God, that is false doctrine, that's false teaching, that's a false teacher, you should have nothing to do with them. Guys, we should not accept preachers and doctrine and just let churches you know, teach people that God doesn't heal today, teach God, people the cessationist perspective that the spirit doesn't move that way anymore that was just for the apostles of the early church that kind of statement and doctrine being taught would have got you kicked out of the church in the new testament number two what was the gospel that paul taught we need to identify that so that we can make sure that we aren't falling into false doctrines and false teachings what was the gospel that paul taught This is backed all throughout his ministry, but I want you to see this. It's the same gospel that Jesus taught. Jesus taught, I'm sorry, Jesus explained the gospel in a nutshell. Write this reference down, Luke 4, 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what Jesus went around preaching and teaching. He would go to a temple and stand up and proclaim this to the people. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to bring recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus said the gospel message was God's got good news for you, good news for the poor. He's going to heal your broken heart. He's going to heal you of your physical disabilities. 
He's going to set you free of all demonic bondage. This was the gospel that Jesus taught about the kingdom and that he modeled in his ministry. And this is the gospel that Paul carried to, to the Gentile world. And so he's saying any single teaching that gets you away from healing, that gets you away from deliverance, that gets you away from the blessing of the Lord, that gets you away from uh, all of this, found in Jesus Christ through his... Now, we have all of those things as believers because of his incarnation. He, was, he came to the earth, he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose from the dead, and he's seated at God's right hand. Anything that gets you away from that message, he said, is false teaching and would, it would cause you to be excommunicated from the church. Paul would call you a false teacher. It blows my mind, guys, that pastors go around, don't teach that, that Jesus Christ is, was anointed and has been given the power to heal, to open blind eyes. You stand up and preach that in most, in most churches, Jesus Christ can heal the, heal the sick. He can open blind eyes. Oh my gosh, how can you say that? It's not God's will for everyone to be healed. Let's not go on preaching that. That might offend some people. You know what? I had a, my great aunt Peggy Sue, she passed away. She was a believer. Look, that literally Paul would call you a false teacher if you did not, and a rejecter of the truth and a rejecter of the word and have a rebellious spirit if you refuse to accept this message that he received directly from Jesus Christ. Jesus laid the gospel out for us in Luke 4.18. Let's get to this last point, y'all. Thank you for sticking with me. I know this is very informative. Luke 16. The la I'm sorry, number 16. The last point. 16 reasons why you would be excommunicated from the New Testament church. Number 16, for being a heretic. Can you say heretic? What does this word heretic mean? Let's look at Titus 3, 10 through 11. I'm going to read it to you in the NLT, and I'm going to read it to you in the King James. So Paul said, if people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. So he gives us the model. You don't walk around just waiting for someone to mess up and you want to humiliate them and expose them. So you smack them on the head with a hammer. Get out of here, you sinner. You're not good enough. No, he says, go to that person. Do what Christ told us to do. You go to that person, one to another. Try to help that person. Try to rescue that person. If they reject it, you give them another warning. And he was actually talking about a person of spiritual authority, not just a common believer. If, you, if you're a leader and you have a congregational member that's living in sin, that's refusing to grow, to comply, that has, that's rejecting the truth, rejecting the word, has a rebellious spirit, is causing divisions, you give them a first warning. They don't heed to it. You give them a second warning. They don't heed to it. He says, you remove that person. You have nothing more to do with them. You turn, they've turned away from their truth and their own sins condemn them. You don't have to condemn them. Their actions have condemned them. They chose. When they chose to continue on their path, they chose to leave the fellowship of the believers. Amen. So let's read it in the King James. And I'm going to explain what heretic means. The King James says, a man that is a heretic, after the first and second admonition, uh, reject them, knowing that he 
that is such a subvert, uh, subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. So basically, he, he, use, he says the same thing, but he uses the word heretic. If there's somebody among you that's a heretic, you give them a first warning, you give them a second warning. If they refuse to repent and receive it, you know, have nothing more to do with them, and they will be condemned by their own sins. So that word heretic, what does that word heretic mean? The Greek literally means this, a follower of false doctrine. So the NLT uses this word causing divisions. The King James uses this word heretic, which means follower of false doctrines. And that's exactly what it's talking about. Put those two things together. Somebody that is in the fellowship of the believer that is causing divisions because they hold false doctrine. They're running around talking about crazy, ridiculous things that's causing the believers to be divided, pulling them away from the fundamental tenets of the gospel. That's what the Bible calls a heretic. You give them a first warning, you correct them with the scripture, I don't receive it. You give them a second warning, I don't receive it. You say, you have nothing left. You, you, have, you have nothing else to do with them. So I'm going to give you the Greek definition of a heretic as a follower of false doctrine. Uh, the, the, just the world definition of a heretic is a professed believer who maintains religious opinions contrary to the accepted or prescribed to the what is accepted or prescribed by the church. So you can see these last several points are all the same. It's talking about false teachers, false doctrine, people that have turned away from the truth, people that have turned away uh, and rejected the spirit of God, rejected the faith, rejected the truth. Guys, false doctrine and rejecting the word of God was a serious thing in the Bible, and would have gotten you kicked out of the fellowship of the believers. I thank you so much for getting through this with me. I pray and I hope that you wrote down all these references and that you'll go back and dig into this yourself and take this even further because really I'm just giving you uh, a nutshell of what there is to dig into this stuff. If you guys will, pray with me. Father, thank you so much for my friends that are watching this. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that condemnation would not come from this word, but conviction would come, instruction would come, that people, if they need to be corrected, that they would get that revelation and get that realization and they would correct themselves. They would make the adjustments needed because you don't want anybody destroyed. You don't want anybody humiliated. You want to show mercy. You want to show grace. Father, and I'm so thankful that you will if somebody has a humble heart, if they'll humble themselves, even if they are in, in what the Bible calls sin and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't know. It was in ignorance. I was being immature. But Father, I repent now. You will show that person mercy, Lord. I'm so thankful. You're such a good and wonderful Father. I give you praise, Lord. I give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Guys, thank you so much for watching this. I'm going to give you an opportunity now if you would like to give to this ministry. The ways you can do that we're going to have at the bottom of the screen here. We're also going to put, if you can't read this, it's too small, we're going to put uh, all the ways to give in the comment on the platform that you're watching on. So just look for the pinned comment. Uh, I just thank you so much. Uh, I've been preaching and, and trying to encourage the church because the Lord instructed me to do this to participate in an offering of thanksgiving, an offering of sacrifice. And so there's different types of giving in the Bible. I don't want to get into all of that right now. 
But there's ones that people understand. There's the tithe. There's almsgiving. There's... Uh, there's a first fruits offering. There's different things in the Bible and giving has to be done with intentionality. And so with this season, this season is dedicated to thank, thankfulness. It's dedicated to thanksgiving. That's what we're celebrating right now. This was recorded in the month of November. And so the Lord's led me and led our church to give him what the Bible calls a thanksgiving offering. In the Bible, the thanksgiving offering was not required. You didn't have to do it. And so, number one, it wasn't mandatory like the tithe, uh, and, and there was no set amount to it. It was at your discretion. The reason for that is because it had to come from the heart. This is something somebody does from a heart that says, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the blessings you've given me. I'm thankful for what you've done for me. I don't have to do this, Lord. I'm, I want to do this because you're wonderful. I want to show you that I am so thankful, Father. I want to... I pour into your kingdom, and just say thank you. That moves the hand of God. You can read 2 Corinthians 9, the promises attached to thanksgiving offering. The Bible says he'll give you seed, he'll give you bread to eat, he'll increase you and enrich you in every way so that you continue to give from a heart of thankfulness. So if you'd like to give, we have the ways you can do that on the screen. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for my friends. Thank you for those that give. Lord, I thank you that as they give generously and from a heart of just overflowing thankfulness, that you will increase them according to your word. Lord, you're so good. When we say thank you, you're the only God that blesses us even more when we say thank you. Because you're the only real God, you're the only living God. We love you, Father. We th we're thankful for your word. We're so thankful for all the blessings you've given us. Lord, and we even want to sow this seed. Uh, and faith for the future, saying thank you for 2021 because we're already claiming by faith this is going to be the best year we've ever had. We're going to produce more fruit next year than we did this year. We're going to be promoted this year higher than we were this last year. We thank you for it, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory. Father, we love you. We worship you. We ask this in Jesus' name. We claim this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Guys, I love you so much. God bless you. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, Use dollar sign capital N-B-C-H-T-X 20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.